Welcome. If you are new this morning or newer, um, we're so glad you're here. And my name is Manny Pollard. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, if you don't know, we rotate through teachers. Uh, it's rare if you see them, you know, multiple times or multiple times in a row. Um, and we also try our best to go verse by verse. And right now we've been tackling um, Genesis and good diving into that. And it's been a great journey. Um, but we've been doing that since. Uh, before the beginning of the summer. So um, we are in Genesis 27. But before we get started on that, um, I would be missing just a, an awesome thing this morning. My wife reminded me, uh, 12 years to the day. So on Saturday, December 5th of 2009, um, you know, God allowed for a, a birth of an idea to plant a church, and it's called Aletheia. Um, and we are just excited that we can even celebrate that we're here. Um, and, you know, we're indebted to a lot of people that have sacrificed a lot of their time and resources and prayer. Um, but I am also excited because this is just the beginning of what God is doing and through this mighty body of Aletheia. And if you don't know what Aletheia means, it means truth. Um, it is Greek for truth. And it comes out of um, 1 John 3.18, that says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. That's where that came from, that our lives could be a reflection of God's word and who he is for us, and that's why we do what we do the way we do it. Um, and that's always been true, and we're thankful for that. And so um, before we get started, um, that's just something to celebrate. And uh, we'll be praying, and then we'll be jumping in to the passage. So would you just join me in prayer? <clears throat> God, we, just, we thank you that, um, that you are in control and we are not. Uh, we thank you that you meet us where we are. I pray for uh, the people that are here today that they would um, be transformed and renewed and refreshed by your word, God, uh, that we could be encouraged those that are um, heavy burdened and broken hearted, Lord, let's pray that they would know you, that you care for them, you care for all of us, um, and we just thank you for your word that guides us and directs us, and we thank you for the body that we can be um, to continue to guide each other in this journey. Um, we pray for our children um, in the back. We thank you for the amazing volunteers that um, pour out their time and just their love with these children, we pray that seeds would be planted of truth for generations to come, Father. And so uh, we just we give that all to you. And we also we just thank you that we can uh, be a church um, that's been around for this amount of time. And you've been loving and kind and gracious. Even in the hard times, Lord, as a body, we just we give you all the praise and glory. In your name, amen. All right. Hey, well... Uh, this week we are in chapter 27 of Genesis, so you can turn there. Um, but, you know, just a quick recap. Um, Joel last week taught through video. Uh, thank you, Joel, for doing that and the AV team. Um, it went as well as could be expected um, in Genesis 26. If you didn't have a chance to check that out, um, I would encourage it. And then the week before that um, is significant to chapter 27. Uh, Brian had um, brought, you know, Genesis 25, and I would encourage you to check it out, talking about you know, um, our birthright and what we inherit as um, children of God. 
Um, it was really well done, and a lot of scripture um, in that one, and so I would encourage you to go uh, check that out. You can go online, um, see that, and you know, I'm sure that Joel or Brian or anyone that teaches would love to follow up with you if you need some references or notes, um, if that's something that interests you. Okay, but today we're going to be in 27. We'll read it together. It's a little lengthy, so we'll, we'll read together um, the best we can, um, but it's important. And um, you know, we're going to be talking about Jacob a lot from here on out, so I won't talk about him too much um, today, um, but he's a main character in this passage. But here's what you need to know, okay? Uh, if you haven't already, we need to continue getting used to everyone getting it wrong and disappointing us, okay? That's what we need to get used to, okay? Everyone gets it wrong, and we're going to be disappointed, and sometimes we're going to be utterly confused. And this passage can be somewhat confusing in some ways, okay? And so we go from chapter 26, which Joel did a good job bringing out kind of this love story, and now we go from a love story to a soap opera, okay? We go from something very kind and, and nice to what the heck is going on, all right? And um, we'll talk about how Isaac has a desire um, to give his blessing to the wrong person through Esau, um, and there's a good amount of deception that's going on, and um, really what they're, what they're What's going on is they're trying to give away a blessing. And what is a blessing? A blessing is a proclamation of who a person is and a revelation of where that person is going, okay? Who that person is and where they're going. And there's this deception about who's going to receive that blessing. And it's, it's a bigger eternal blessing because this blessing has to do with the line of Abraham. Um, and that's a big deal, right? We've talked about that, of God's promise through Abraham and how it relates to us today. So, and, and it seems that both um, Esau and Jacob, um, again, a little bit of foreshadowing, is they don't really grasp the magnitude of what's going on in chapter 27 um, and kind of what's happening in their life, okay? They don't understand how big this blessing really is. Um, they go along with the story. One selfishly goes after it, one is kind of tricked and tricked himself into thinking that's important, but they don't, they don't really understand the depth and the impact this has. But there are two people that actually do understand the depth and the magnitude of it, of it and that would be um, Isaac and Rebecca. Okay? And so they, they understand the importance of this blessing, um, and they kind of get in the way. Okay? And I think we can relate, though, as, as younger uh, people that... Um, Esau and Jacob, they, they just don't really see the importance of it. Um, they don't see the significance of it. Just like w if we uh, look back at the timeline of our life, you reflect on it, and you're like, man, that was, that was a bigger deal. Uh, maybe some big family event, a promotion that happened in your career, um, or a gift that was given to you is something you inherit, um, and then you look you know, a decade or two or more, you say, man, that was a big deal. That had a, hu had a huge impact on my life. Actually, last night was kind of funny. Uh, my son Joshua, he's 10, um, you know, he's getting older, and he asked me or brought up the Twin Towers in 9-11. Um, and he was bringing up some facts, and I was like, you know, let, now's a good time. It's appropriate. We're, would you like to learn more about it? So we went and, you know, went on the YouTubes and uh, watched um, some, you know, kind of historic data now, you know, reflecting on 20 years after 9-11, and the impact it had on our nation and on each individual person in a different way, right? So when I was in high school and we get this, you know, announcement over the intercom, um, 
yeah, it was startling, but not as significant to me as it is today, right? And so this is what's happening for us, is this event in 27 is very significant. And they don't, they don't, the Jacob and Esau, they don't get it. And later on, we'll find out about how Jacob and how his eyes are open to the significance of it, right? And so we're, that's kind of where God is setting this up, and this is why Moses is writing about it. And uh, again, Esau, or sorry, Isaac and Rebekah, they do understand it. And so we'll go back to, before we jump into 27. If you look at chapter 25, if you remember, uh, Rebekah and uh, Isaac, you know, they are with child, and they're, they're with child with twins. And if you look at chapter 25, verse 21, it says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So something disturbing was happening in her belly, and she's like, what's going on? And so she went and inquired of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples are, are from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Okay? So that's important because Rebecca knows. And hence, hopefully, Isaac, he should know. He knows better. And he knows that God has spoken, saying the younger will, will be over the older. Okay? So that's, that's significant in this text because you'll notice that Isaac isn't walking in obedience here. And if you go down just a little bit more in 25, um, it talks about how um, Esau gave up his birthright to Jacob. And I'll just read it in verse 29. It says, Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. And he said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. And he said, I'm famished. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die. And Esau said, What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright. Now, Brian unpacks what the birthright is, um, and it is different than the blessing, but I just shared with you a little bit what, what the blessing is about, um, and these things are significant because they kind of lead up to this giant tension, what I call the soap opera, in chapter 27. So now that we are there, um, I'm reading out of the NIV. I typically read out of the ESV. Um, I was just feeling like I wanted to read out of this Bible. It felt nice. So... Um, but as our buddy Adam Peake says, you know, the most important version of the Bible is the one that you will read, okay? So that's what we want. That's what we want to emphasize. Let's get your eyes there, chapter 27. We're going to read through it like it is a little lengthy, but very significant. So, thanks, brother. Um, chapter 27, verse 1, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son... And he said, here I am. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare for me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening to, as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her, Son, her son Jacob, look, I have overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some food, sorry, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. 
Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man and I'm a man with smooth skin. What a lucky guy. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say, go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her brother, her older son, excuse me, which she had in the house and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goatskin. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went him went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of the clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of, of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the heaven's dew and the earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Real quick, that's the blessing. Okay, that's, that's what's happening. That's a proclamation. That is the blessing that the Lord actually had for Abraham. Passed down to Isaac, if you remember, in 26, or excuse me, is that right? Yeah, in, tw- in chapter 26, God already appeared before Isaac to do that. We'll jump back in 30. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I'm your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a, a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father, bless me. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, I said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? And he grasps his heel. He also deceives. He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you served, sorry, reserved any blessing for me? And Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you, and have made him I made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. 
So what can I possibly do for you now, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too. Then Esau wept aloud, and his father Isaac answered, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, richness, away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from, all, from off your neck. Then Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is consoling himself with a thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with, the living, uh, with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land from, the Hitt- from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. All right, so a lot of drama, right? Soap opera. Sorry, i got to get some water. That was a lot of reading. Um, there's a lot going on there, right? But uh, what basically what I'm going to do now is I'm going to break up um, and unpack the four characters that are involved. This Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob. And we'll land on Esau, uh, which is important. But um, you know, there's a lot of things playing out here, and so we'll just unpack that a little bit. First, we'll go with Isaac. If you remember, you know Isaac again was was told by the Lord that he he was blessed. Actually, it says um, that the Lord appeared to Isaac. I am the God of your father Abraham. This is in chapter 26. I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you, and I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Okay, so Isaac knows the blessing. Okay, he knows the importance of this blessing, and the the Lord had already appeared before him. One of Isaac's mistakes is that he he favors, what's the right word? He favors, thank you, I'm talking to myself. So he favors Esau. Right? And we all know, as parents, as Brian talked about, that you know, it's, it's not good to, to show favoritism. It can be challenging. It can be extremely hard. But he is showing favor towards Esau. And it's, it's actually more of a, a fleshly you know, favoring. All you know about Isaac and his love for Esau is that Esau hooks him up with really good food. <laughs> tasty food. I can't blame him, but that's what's going on. He's, he's hooking him up with that, with that meat. Okay? Um, and, and Jacob is, you know, not the hunter and gatherer. He is probably more of a, you know, well, maybe a vegetarian, but at least his desires are not hunting, okay? Um, so there's a lot of other things, and I'll, I'll keep those thoughts to myself because I don't want to insult anyone here, cause, but I'm not a hunter either, so maybe I'm just sparing myself. Um, but he knew what God had said. Remember, he also knew that the, pro- the promise that the Lord had said to Rebecca, he, there's no way he was not um, with him, with her in some way when she was approached by the Lord about, you know, that the younger will be over the older. That was, that was what was going on when she was feeling disturbed. And so she had that promise to, to lean on. Now, the other thing is, obviously, um, Isaac was being deceptive because he was uh, not talking with Rebecca about this. There's probably no conversation of, 
hey, I think that I'm going to give my blessing to Esau, um, you know, she overheard it, right? She overheard him um, talking to Esau about it. So there was no communication that was going on. Um, and so one lesson we, we can learn, if you are married or in your, if you're in a relationship, communication is key, right? Uh, be, because th- there could be turmoil. So communication is key. Um, and when Isaac finds out that he was, uh, I'll just say duped, uh, that he was uh, deceived, what was his reaction? He was tr- he's shuddering, right? Okay, so uh, two things probably come, come to my mind. He was, um, one, he realized he was deceived, and that probably made him angry. But I think that there's something bigger going on, that he just realized that he couldn't outdupe God, right? That, that he said, oh, man, what I thought I could get away with is really not working out, okay? And so we can be reminded that the blessing that was God's cannot be taken away from us, from him, right? For, like, we cannot take that away from him. We cannot take away the Lord's blessing. And that's what was happening to Isaac. He almost immediately realizes, oh, man, I, I thought I was going to get away with the fast one, and now I just really made it worse, okay? That we could be reminded that the blessing is always God's. And for the record, there are blessings that we can give to people that are of God's, but we have to take you know, serious consideration of that when we do it. If we're trying to manipulate it or trying to make something happen that, that's for our own gain, and we'll be talking about that in a little bit, but that's where we really miss the point of blessing. Blessing others, blessing our family, is that it's of God's, and it's always been his. And we get to learn from Rebecca in a minute of where we can also learn some from her mistakes. Um, and, and you'll notice that Isaac is being begged by Esau, saying, give me your blessing. Is there not anything else that you can say to me? And he does, right? He responds. He gives him an answer. It's almost, I mean, it's the opposite of a blessing. But it is, by the way, it is a blessing. It's just not the one that he wanted to hear, right? It's not the, the thing that he wanted to deal with. If you don't, if that is at the end, he says, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of the heaven. I mean, everything is the opposite of what he just blessed Jacob with. And Isaac had come to his senses through that rough truth. And Isaac, Isaac knew. That's why, that's why we kind of threw his blessing to Jacob, or sorry, Esau, um, that he... kind of knew that this was the Lord's doing, the way that the Lord had made this go out. So now we go to Rebekah, okay? So Isaac, he favors Esau, and Rebekah favors Jacob, um, which can be common in a family. Um, but they're, they're both trying, and she specifically is trying to a- accomplish God's will in her own way, which, which is interesting because it is God's will actually to, what, bless Jacob. But for, somehow, the way she does it, she goes all wrong about it. Amen. And that, that, that can be confusing for us too, right? That we, we want to live in, in God's will, but we want to take control of the thing. We want to take control of that blessing. Um, and that's, what, that's what's happening to Rebecca here. Um, and and what, what's happening is, is she's fearful, right? She doesn't remember the promise that 
she had just had that conversation with the Lord. I mean, and I say just, by the way, there's actually like a long time between these things, but things that she should remember, things that she had been remembering, but what, what came upon her? Fear. Fear took over for her, and so she wanted to take things in her own hands. All the moms in the room, you know, we fear for our children. Dads too, but differently. But our response sometimes is that we're fearful. I mean, we live in, in a, an insane world, and that, that can be disheartening, very concerning, that we don't want them to, to leave their rooms, let alone our household, let alone go into the world, right? But there, there is promise for those that are in the Lord. And, and one way to combat that is not let fear rule you. And definitely not make you make poor mistakes. Okay, again, she literally heard from the, from the Lord about older serving the younger, and she allowed herself to question God. That's what happens when fear sets in. We, we start to question his authority, his rule over our life. And again, what was she trying to do? She was trying to deceive, and, and de- deception is manipulation. Like if you're trying to manipulate a situation for your own gain, that, that you're usually going to try to deceive someone. And, and Proverbs 14:12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Okay? So, so we should be prayerful about the decisions we make. And if, you're, if anyone's like me, we, sometimes we don't take a moment to ask the Lord for direction. We just go do it. Sometimes it can work out. Sometimes it can be deadly. It can lead to death. And, and there are consequences, right? What, what happens to Rebecca? She never sees Jacob again. The one that she loved, the one that she wanted to have the blessing, and she never sees him again. That, I mean, it's kind of interest, like, interesting there, right? Like, wow, like the, she fought so hard to give Jacob this blessing, and now she doesn't get to be with her, the son that she loved. Not to mention, okay, the, the one other thing I wrote note is the dynamic between Rebecca and Isaac probably is never the same through this deception, through what is going on. And, and, and Jacob now, at this stage, he's being deceitful, um, and again, I told you I won't be talking much about him. I have a paragraph about him, right? But um, you'll notice his comment, right, when, when Rebecca comes to him and says, hey, um, I, I think you should go do this. In verse 12, she, he says, What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring, him down, uh, bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. Well, Jacob is, is fooling himself that he thinks that if he's not perceived as tricking, that he's actually not tricking someone, right? Like he's trying to talk himself out of it. He somehow thought that tricking his father was, was a worthy cause, but he didn't want him to get the sense that he was trying to trick him. Some of us have been caught in that, right? He was thinking about his reputation over his character. Now, a lot of us do that too, and I think the, the intention sometimes is, well, we don't want to be perceived as bad, but I'll still continue to talk behind that person's back. I don't want to be perceived as bad, but I'll, I'll just manipulate it in, in a way that it doesn't seem like I'm in the wrong pretty classic example. 
if we keep going on, um, in verse 20, you know, Isaac and Rebekah do their thing. Um, I'm sorry, lots of names in here. Jacob and Rebekah do their thing. Um, they get set up for the big moment where he's going to receive the blessing. And right before that, right, um, Isaac asks the question, hey, how'd you get here so quickly? Notice this. Jacob um, does something pretty bad here, and he says, your Lord, your God, gave me success. Guys, this is the epitome of using God's name in vain, okay? Not just using, you know, G-O-D or saying something else really bad, although that word, the, that word and the use of that word is, is, you know, there's reverence in that. That's why we should tell our children not to use God's name in vain that way. That is not using God's name in vain. By the way, that's just being irreverent to the Lord. Using God's name in vain is actually misrepresenting God and what he's done to, to help us find certain gain, okay? Usually we, we do it to um, justify certain actions, but this is what Jake, Jacob did. And, and again, Jacob didn't know that that was a commandment of the Lord, right? The, the Ten Commandments weren't used or created, you know, not to use the Lord's name in vain. Actually, Exodus 27, 20, verse 7, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, what that's talking about, again, is when we use the Lord's name in vain, it, it's we're, we're, actually, we're kind of we're play acting. We're, we're pretending as though this was something that God had ordained or said that we should, should be doing. And, and this happens a lot, right? If, if my kid stole a cookie and said, well, the Lord said I should do it, that would, be, that would not be good right? And that wouldn't be good for him, and we, sh- we shouldn't condone that um, behavior. But we, we skirt this issue of, of, you know, using God's name in vain, and we, and we misrepresent what it is. Um, and it's when you use God's name to justify your actions or to find your own gain. Um, and there are a few other ways, but th- those are the, the big pieces, right? Is that we, we say, like, well, this is a, I have a word from the Lord. And this is where a lot of churches actually have gotten in trouble. A pastor comes and says, you know, I got a word from the Lord, and we need to go do this, and, and we should be discerning. Right? We, sh- we as a body should be discerning of saying, was that really God who said this, or is this just really you trying to manipulate the situation to get what you want? That's what's happening with Jacob, right? And that... That was unfortunate. And the Lord, again, one thing we can learn through Jacob is he did use the Lord's name in vain, and God is still gracious to him. So keep that in the back of your mind as we keep going on in this fun journey, okay, after this passage. But, so we'll go on to Esau. Talked about Jacob enough. Um, here, Esau's issue is he's a man of, of flesh and foolishness. Um, okay, he, he gave away his birthright without, like, without any regard not realizing the big implications that it had. Just kind of was, not even, not even from a spiritual sense, but just from a, a humanity and like kind of common sense, like you don't just throw out your birthright, right? Well, who, who would do that? He, just for a bowl of stew. He was, he was, he was being ignorant. And at the end of um, 26, um, it, ta- it says that when Esau... 
was 40 years old. He married Judith, daughter of Biri, the Hittite, and also, base math, daughter of Elon, the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac. And Rebekah, again, continues to make foolish mistakes and is married in, in a family line of Hittite women. Um, and he just had no reverence for anyone else's life and how, the, how decisions impact other people in his own life. And you'll see, you'll see when he wants this blessing that he's kind of dumbfounded that he doesn't get it, right? He's got an entitlement issue because of his ignorance, okay? Um, and so at, at this part, when he comes to, to Isaac and he is ready to get the blessing and he finds out that he's not, he's not getting the blessing, what, what's his response? He's, he's torn up, right? But he's not trembling in awe and fear of the Lord. His tears are not of repentance. They're, they're tears of regret and frustration that he is not getting his way. And so Esau, again, is living in the flesh. And, and we'll unpack that a little bit more as uh, we keep moving forward. But he, he wanted the blessing, but he didn't want the one that gives the blessing, right? He wanted, you know, all this, the double portion, even though he already gave it away, okay? So that kind of set up this, this scene for giving it all away. And, and so he, he is not showing a heart of repentance, he's just, he's just regretful that he doesn't get what he wants, right? And, and that, that's the same for us sometimes when we need to go ask for forgiveness or maybe, you know, forgive someone else. We, we are only looking at the regret portion and not like the human relational portion of that. I have this conversation with my children or when I was in youth ministry, when, when kids would get caught doing something, I'd have to always ask them, like, hey, are you just frustrated that you got caught in this situation? Or, or like, do you really mean that you're, you're sorry, right? And we've seen it. We've seen it where, where someone actually is truly, genuinely sorry, and, or sometimes they're just doing it because they want to move on. They want to kind of be like, I'm done with this, and I want to go live for my own life. Um, and that's why us as parents, or if, if you're hoping to have children, um, it's important that we take the time to correct them. I'm saying, hey, what God is looking for is a repentant heart, not just a regretful one, right? And, and that's, that's true for us, too, as, as adults, by the way, but um, it's just more evident. We actually, as adults, we need to be more um, discerning about, like, hey, am I really asking for forgiveness from the Lord or from people um, with, with repentance, like true repentance in a genuine you know, authenticity, or am I just doing it because I need to move on? I need to get this problem out of my way. And that, I mean, you see that attitude from, from Esau when he's like, is there anything else you can do? Like, just tell me, just like, lay it on me, give it to me. And, and Isaac comes to his senses and like, no, I, dude, I'm sorry. Here's your blessing. The best blessing that I can give you, which is no one wants, Right? He wanted the blessing, but he didn't get that blessing. Uh, Psalm 91, 1 and 2 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress and my God in whom I trust. Listen, we think the, the word blessing like matches up with like riches or comfort or like, you know, 
I don't know, like keeping up with the world and, you know, and no pain. Um, if, we, if we think that is the blessing, like we miss the point, okay? Uh, the real blessing is, is walking with the one that brings that blessing, the Lord, okay? It, when we miss out on it, and, and there are people, right, they'll come to me, like, I'm so frustrated, like, these things are happening to me, and, and I ask them questions of, well, you know, how's your time in praying, with, like, to the Lord and, and bringing this grief to him? And, and a lot of times, they don't want to hear it. Their heart is hard towards, like, the truth of saying, um, you need to go to the giver, not the gift, Again, they, they want to receive a blessing without being in the presence of the blesser. When you're growing up, right, we're obsessed with the gift. I remember, I mean, I, I, for a year I asked for, um, well, I used to play hockey in my street. We had this really cool cul-de-sac, um, and it was in Briargate. It was a really cool place, and, I mean, kids were coming over my house. And, but we didn't have a hockey net, right? We just used two shoes as our, like, hockey goal. Um, and I remember begging my parents. I mean, I begged them. I was like, we need a hockey net, and we need to find one. And they finally gave me one, right? And, and I, was, I was young. I was young. I was obsessed with the gift. Okay, I, I got what I thought I deserved. But I didn't think to be grateful towards the ones that gave it to me, right? The ones that they actually, like, set aside some money and made this happen. But when we, when we mature, right, as, as believers, when we mature, um, we start to value the giver of the gift. And Esau is an example of someone that did not value the giver, the blesser, right? He valued, like, the future blessing, that, and he, he was kind of lost in, in the future instead of the moment. He totally misses it. And I, I want to war- warn us about that, too, is that sometimes when we're frustrated, we should really ask, you know, what? What am I showing gratitude towards? What is it that I need to, to bring to, to the Lord and, you know, repent of? And we see this, we'll see this even more now, you know, why did Esau miss it? Okay, everyone turn your, your Bibles over to Hebrews 12, verse 14 through 17. Hebrews is awesome, by the way, if you want any help kind of correlating the New Testament with the Old Testament and what's going on in the story, specifically about Israel, um, we continue to go back to it because it's a great resource uh, for us to gain some understanding of, of God's grace and love for us, okay? So uh, Hebrews 12, 14 through 17, um, but I just want someone to read verse 16. Read it loud, sir. Thank you. I'll, read the, I'll come back and read that, but um, those of you online, it said, see that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. Um, in the Greek, it actually translates to that Esau was profane, okay? That he, he actually, um, to him, nothing was sacred. Nothing to him like, had spiritual meaning, had no awe or reverence for the Lord. None. He was hard-hearted towards that, okay? Um, and so that's why it says godless. Uh, some might, I think there's a few different ones, translations in there, but the, the real word is profane. That's where we get the word profanity, okay? 
Don't let anything profane that's godless, has no reverence, come out of your mouth. It's not just curse words. Okay? Same thing about when we say the Lord's name in vain. It's not just about that word. We lack reverence about who God is. But I'm going to read this whole chapter to you because I think it, it really involves us, right? This is a plea to the believers. It's at, uh, verse 14 says, um, out of Hebrews, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. Okay, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance, um, inheritance rights as the oldest son. Watch this, verse 17. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. Because right, he, he, was, he was not being repentant. He was not showing like, awe and reverence to the Lord, who, who he is. God desires that from us. He wants that from us. Because he's God. Man, and, that, and that's, that's humbling because I can think of a few times this week where I was not, you know, Repentant. And I wanted what I wanted. And I'm sure you can relate. So now, now that we've unpacked this a little bit and just through the characters, right, and there's probably a lot more that, that's going on, um, but, you know, you, I love just encouraging people to go and do their own study because it, it's important for us. It edifies us. But what should I be thinking about here, okay? You know, what, a couple questions that came to mind, I just wrote them down. Um, I said, why didn't God just reverse it? Why didn't he just say, like, whoa, 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 time out. Like, you're not going to deceive here because I want it to be, like, this perfect story. And Because um, that's where the tension lies here, right, for us. Some of us say, you know, I believe, I believe this, but, man, why did God allow for deception to happen like this to carry out his blessing, okay? Why, why did he let that happen? Um, and, and, and does this condone sin, okay? For that one, no, this does not condone sin. You know, God... Is not saying, hey, do all these wrong things so you can accomplish my will. That's not, that's not what's going on. Okay, and we'll unpack a little bit more. But um, in this small story, in, in what seems um, a little out of control from our perspective, right? Moses is writing this because it's not only an important part of history. He, he, who is he writing? He's writing it to the, to the family of Jews, okay, of Israel. Um, but there's a bigger thing here. He, he wants... Um, to account for people that God is in control. Okay, God is in control. Even when people are out of control, when they're out of their mind. So we can take good comfort in that, right? Because people, are, are, again, are going to disappoint us. When we read through the Old Testament, we're going to continue to be disappointed and confused. There, there's going to be a tension. We've already had a few going through this, okay? So, you know, we should be comforted that, that despite of people's actions, that God continues to be in control. Um, and, and, that, and it's with those people that he has covenant with that he's, he's protecting us. Um, it, and it just takes some more time than what we're comfortable with. That's where we like to take control. If it was like five minutes, maybe we'd be fine. But after that five minutes, man, we can't handle it. Right? Now, here's the other thing that we can also um, be relieved in. God is in control, but also he allows for his people or other people to actually live freely. 
Now, that also is a tension point, right? How does a loving God allow free people to go just mess everything up and hurt people? I mean, if you can feel the weight of this, like, it, it can be a little tough to work through. But he allows for people to live freely and, and make choices in our, in our world where we're seeing, you know, what's best for us instead of missing out. Or sorry, and we miss out on the blessing, okay? Um, but it, this, the reality is that this should bring us to a place of, of brokenness, like a, a, a place of realizing, okay, um, there, obviously there, there's a need for, for a Savior, and, and his name is Jesus here, right? Okay? Um, and we'll, we'll keep on going. But we need to rec- recognize that God's sovereignty here is so massive. We're talking about the, one of the biggest blessings and promises that he, he leaves for us that leads to Christ, like, you know, he's not just going to reset it. Why doesn't he just reset it? Well, if, if, you, if you reset it, he'd be resetting it all the time, every 10 seconds, okay? So um, there's this show um, that we used to watch. It was kind of around the um, Everyone Loves Raymond days, okay? There was this show called Yes, Dear. Anyone watch that? Yes, Dear? Um, it, was a, it was a funny sitcom, okay? It was about this family, basically, that lived in Hollywood, um, and the husband was a, a famous, or not famous, but a, 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 an executive for some Hollywood cor- corporation, but they, they had um, in-laws that lived with them, and one of the in-laws' uh, name was Jimmy. Um, and Jimmy, he was, I don't know, he wasn't a deadbeat, but he was always struggling to keep a job. He was, they were living in their, their I don't know, was that pool house or whatever, and Jimmy finally got a job. Okay, he finally got a job. He became an impi- uh, umpire uh, for baseball. Okay, he became you know behind the plate, um, and he was super excited. Okay, and everyone was kind of doubting him. He was super excited to um, be an umpire, um, and he <clears throat> was you know calling a baseball game, and you know they're calling balls and strikes, and they also call people out or safe. And um, there's this one funny scene where uh, Jimmy is is uh, being an umpire, and a kid hits a ball out in outfield, and a kid is coming around third, and he slides into home. Okay, so if you can envision it, uh, this kid is sliding into home, uh, the ball is coming in, and it's like this close play at the plate. Okay, and what's happening? The, all the adults, all the kids, their eyes are on the umpire, and like they're saying, like, "What call are you going to make?" You know, like, "What call are you going to make?" And he he freezes, and he doesn't know what to say. Um, and he's supposed to say safe or you're out, and he goes, redo. <laughs> redo the play, right? Well, you can imagine, I mean, the parents are like, is this a joke? This umpire that controls the game is going gonna, is gonna to call redo? Well, all credibility, all the things that that person, that, that authority that person holds is gone. And that's what made it funny, right? Like, you know, like, are you joking? Like, either kids are safe or out. You know, you got to make a call. And here's the deal. God doesn't have to call redo. He looks at situations. He said, I'm not going to redo it. I'm going to redeem it. Okay? I'm not going to redo it. I'm going to redeem it. But that's, again, the tension for us. We wish he could redo things, right? There's things in our life that we have regrets in. We have things in our life where we, like, we've been deceived and we've been hurt. But he's going to redeem it. 
He doesn't have to redo it. Now, we use the, the term, you know, God is sovereign a lot, okay? It's, it's somewhat of a, a we, we make fun of ourselves saying we use these Christianese words, okay? But we, we, we say that God is sovereign. And what does that mean? Which, it means that he has control. He has authority, okay? He has a presence over creation. And he does. But he is delighted to redeem situations because you know what it does? It draws us back to him. He had a plan for that, to, to draw us back to him. And he's saying, I will work through good and bad choices of other people. Okay? They don't have enough control to, to hurt my covenant. And we, we get to, to be secure in that. That's a promise. Psalms 111, verse 6 through 9, says, He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever and acted in faithfulness and uprightness. Verse 9 says, He provided redemption for His people. He ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. Okay, God continues to redeem things by working through broken people like us, broken things, broken systems. And we should be encouraged by that. We shouldn't live in despair. Um, and, and Peter reminds people in Acts, right? Like Christ had just has, had died, he rose again, um, and th- these crazy things are happening in Acts. In Acts 2, 23, says, This man, this is Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Okay? God's deliberate plan. His redemption plan. It's Christ. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. Okay, so God, God is not fooled. He knew this is what needed to happen. This is what had to, had to unfold so that we could, we could be in relationship with him. So maybe today, you know, some of you are going through messy situations. Um, you're going through emotional or physical pain, job loss, relational breakdowns. I, just, I have to say this. Like God has not lost the plot for your life. For us as, as believers, as a body, he has not lost the plan for, for the church. Sometimes it can feel that way. And I'm not talking about Lathia necessarily. I'm talking about the church. Okay? He is sovereign over all things. Even messy, sinful circumstances of a life. And, and we can trust him that he's working out these things for our good. He's working these things out for our good. I'm going to invite the worship team up while I close, but the last question I always ask, and I'm going to be honest, this can be tough, okay? This can be really, really challenging. When I'm reading through the, the Old Testament, and just for my own personal study, uh, but, you know, when I'm thinking about what does the Lord have to share for, for everyone here, um, I say, where is the gospel in this? Um, I've already shared a little bit of that, um, but, you know, Sometimes when you read through the Old Testament, it can be sometimes cryptic. And that takes some time. Um, But, man, redemption is all over the Old Testament. And, man, it's powerful. Uh, But the thing I looked at was um, Esau, right? He wept aloud, and he begged his father for a blessing. He, he, He begged his father for a blessing, um, and he, he was a man without hope. He was a man without hope, okay? Um, 
And he was a man, part of it was because he was a man that loved the world. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Okay, so again, Esau lived for the world. Which, I mean, it got him. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And when I look at Esau, I mean, he, he was just a man after his heart, not God's heart, after the world's heart. And again, you, fi- you might find yourself in those, the four you know, characters of Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, or even Esau, where things are out of control. And you caught yourself in your own web of lies, or you're living by the flesh. I just want to encourage you, it's not over yet that we get to go back to God and repent. And repent in in places of despair or where we wanted to have control. You think Rebecca didn't have to go back to the Lord and be like, man, God, I'm sorry. I tried taking the control in my own hands and I, I see what you're doing now. Isaac actually got 20 more years. Uh, they said he was like, you know, about to die, but he had 20 more years after that occurrence to work that out with, with the Lord, okay? But in Romans, this is such an encouraging passage, and I would encourage you to go read the whole thing. I'm going to read you just a small piece of it. It says, you see, at just the right time, when you were still powerless, some versions actually say weak. Um, if you're weak or you're, you're feeling powerless, things are out of your control It says, Christ died for you. Not only just says for you, it says for the ungodly. Remember, Esau was godless. He was profane. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might uh, possibly, you know, do it for them. If you're a good person, I'm going to die for you. Cool. But if you're not, I'm not, I'm not even going to go after it. Christ, you know, lowers himself and says, I'm going to die for those that are unrighteous. But they need to come to me. And verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Why, while we were still sinners, Christ died. He died for me. He died for us. So I'm going to take a moment, and I'll, if anyone here you need to take a second to, to repent. I'll let you do it in your own, your own way, but we're, we're just going to pray that, that God would show his favor and th- something he delights in is showing mercy to you. So I'm, I'm going to pray, and, and if you need to take a minute for yourself to, to come to that understanding of saying, God, I'm, man, I've, I've messed up, and I, I need to bring this to you. I'm going to invite you to do that while, while I pray, and then we'll stand worship, and I'll come and do a response, but it will be very minimal. Lord, I thank you that you are someone that redeems, that you redeem um, our brokenness. Lord, I, I ask that you would, you would convict our hearts. If someone in here today Man, just needs to come to some understanding that 
that they are not in control and that you are, that they, um, they don't have to come in, in fear uh, that you're going to smite them, but that, that they know that you're going to love them, that you're going to redeem them, that you're going to care for them. God, if they struggle with that, I pray that they would be able to um, talk with someone here about that. Lord, but I just, I just give you all the praise that you are in control and that I am not. Lord, um, that can be hard, though. And so, Lord, I pray that you, you would continue to guide us and direct us. And that when we worship, we get to celebrate that you, you sent your son down so that we could have eternal life with you. And, Lord, just as um, some have prayed, you know, Lord, I want to believe but help me in my disbelief that you, you would guide us and you would show us uh, what it means to be in relationship with you. And I pray for our church here at Aletheia that we would be a body that would be able to live in that grace and that mercy that you show. We love you, Father. In your name, amen. For, for those of you that are new, we, we always um, just have a response time. That's why we put worship at the end, is to respond um, to the message, what the Lord is teaching us. Uh, we do that through um, taking communion. So if you uh, profess that Christ is Lord of your life and you surrender your life to him, uh, we welcome you to take communion. Um, the cup and the bread are at these crosses on both sides. Um, also invite you to um, Give joyfully. If the Lord is leading you to give joyfully, we have giving boxes in the back. Um, and also to seek prayer. You know, um, I'll be over by the prayer room if anyone would like to ask for prayer. Um, if you're more comfortable praying with a, a woman, we invite you to do that. And someone will be over by the prayer room as well. Um, but again, we just we want to invite you to uh, be praying with us, to be worshiping and responding. Um, in a way that we just give that to the Lord. And so I want to read this verse to you because um, I think it just speaks for itself of the heart of the Lord. And it says, At the time Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is, was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Uh, notice that he said, you know, you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned. Really, the people that think they have it together when really they need to come in brokenness to Him. So I'll read 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. That is the heart of Jesus, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we invite you to take this time to seek the heart of the Lord. If that's through prayer or through communion, I just hope you enjoy this worship time with him.